So I think one has to separate out a conceptual framework of a system designed to help people and what the, the country and community puts into that system to implement those programs. You mean separate the hopes from the reality? Trying to do good with other people's money simply has not worked. The welfare system is rotting away the very fabric of society. Tom Salt. My reaction was just the opposite. Uh, my anger was at what had been created in the city where I grew up, under very different conditions, during the period of capitalistic failure, during the period when there wasn't this humanitarianism, and where it was possible for people to live better and to get out of that poverty. Now I think someone living in the very same place where I live would find it much harder to escape from that poverty because of all these things. Buildings were not abandoned like the buildings that we saw in that film when I lived in Harlem. Uh, the crime rate, the, all the things that are blamed upon the failures of the previous method uh, did not exist. Uh, I slept out on the fire escapes in Harlem. I would defy anybody to do that in any part of New York City today. What the welfare system and other kinds of governmental programs are doing is paying people to fail. Insofar as they fail, they receive the money. Insofar as they succeed, even to a moderate extent, the money is taken away. This is even extended into the school systems, where they will give money to schools with low scores. Uh, insofar as the school improves its education, the money is taken away so that you are subsidizing people to fail in their own private lives and become more dependent upon the handouts. You know, I think the notion of, of, of generations of people on welfare is, is a very small minority uh, in the whole system. That doesn't mean that the system as presently defined uh, and as the, as the set of programs that we have put together don't often contradict each other. And I'm the first to uh, agree with, with Dr. Friedman that some of the programs are conflicting. However, I think it is, it is uh, overly broad to say that uh, we turn people into helpless children. I don't remember talking to anyone who's ever been on welfare who didn't think they were being treated like children while they were on it. Of course, I, you know, you, one must make a difference, a distinction between the system that was set up to help people and the people who are employed in that system. Look at any public welfare system around the country, and we have no practically few trained people to work with people. We employ the ill-trained, people who are not equipped to be helping people. We say they're social workers. They're not social workers. They have neither the skills, the attitudes, and some of them not even the concern. So I think one has to separate out a conceptual framework of a system designed to help people and what this, the country and community puts into that system to implement those programs. You mean separate the hopes from the reality? I separate the skills that are available in order to implement what the objectives of the program are. And I think we have to separate whether we're talking about program objectives or we're talking about how it operates. I would be the first to say that the system that I administered had ill-prepared people to do the job that we were set up to do. But I would not say that the system that we set up... I talk to some social welfare people who think that, in fact, they were so hamstrung by the system that there was very little they could do to help people to get off welfare, that is, to, to build up skills, get jobs, do whatever was necessary to get off welfare. They felt it was the system. I've never heard of a government program which uh, was defective in which the people who ran it didn't say, if only we had more money to spend on what we're not being able to accomplish with the amount we're spending now. Milton, I'm going to move on now to some of your prescriptions in that film, because <clears throat> I think it's a good ground for discussion. The most drastic one was when you said, speaking of an unemployed man, supposing you were cruel and took away welfare from this man, he would find a job, 
in some, at some wage, there would always be a job he could get. He might need some charity en route, private charity, but he would get a job. Now, I want you to react, those of you, before we come back to Milton on that. Is that a picture that seems plausible to you? First he may get a job, but he will get, may get a job in what we refer to as the underground economy. And that's where a number of our youth are now going to get their jobs. Those activities that are illegal and the only opportunity they have for earning a part of a livelihood. I think the other issue is that you have a whole group of people who are the single female head of a household. And yes, cut off welfare tomorrow. What will they do? What will be their immediate response? At what price to their small children and to their uh, middle-aged children? Uh, yes, they'll get a job. In fact, the statistics show that women, in fact, are the most successful through the employment program. But what has to supplement that typically is the provision of some kind of daycare arrangement. Either the individual woman has to earn enough money to be able to pay privately for her daycare, or in fact she is, quote, subsidized through this insidious uh, corrupting program, set of programs run by the federal government, which in fact makes her employable and a taxpayer. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting uh, notion of trying to get people in a productive mode. Tom so It's incredible the, the way you start the story in the middle, uh, as if there's a predestined amount of poverty, a predestined amount of unemployment, and that the welfare system is not itself in any way responsible there for that. There is a predestined 20% of the bottom half of the population. I, I have never, uh, well, oh, that's always been true. There's I, going I to be 20% at the bottom. With you, with you. <laughs> it's also true that 20% of the bottom population doesn't have to be living on the government and ruled by the government. You mentioned for for example, the female-headed household. Many of those, in addition to the, the grown woman who has all the, all the kids, are teenage pregnancies. Uh, there's not a predestined amount of teenage pregnancy. I grew up in an era when people, and particularly blacks, were a lot poorer than today, faced a lot more discrimination than today, and in which the teenage pregnancy rate was a lot lower than today. I don't believe there is a predestined amount of teenage pregnancy, a predestined amount of husband desertion. Uh, this, uh, Gutman has done a study of the black family, showing that this whole notion that this is, the black family has always been disintegrating, that, that is nonsense. That his, his studies go up to 1925, the great bulk of black families were intact, two-parent families up through 1925, and going all the way back through the era of slavery. So it is now only within our own time that we suddenly see this inevitable tragedy which the welfare system says is going to rush into solve, but which it is itself a We're talking about a very small group. We're talking about 12% of the families are not intact are not two-parent families at any one you period. Mean, I mean among welfare recipients? No, the public among the pu large. public at large. We're talking about 12% of the families. 12%. That's right. That's a small number. But we're there's still a on welfare. We're still talking about a significant component of the bottom 20%. In an ever-changing world, Vistaprint is here to help. That are the bottom 20%. Whether they are above the poverty line or below the poverty line, they are still the bottom 20%. And the issue is, what is the responsibility of the other 80%, if any, toward does, those does individuals? Does your program plan to eliminate there being a bottom 20%? No, but it intends to raise the bottom 20%. So You're raising them by having, more, by having more illegitimacy, more unemployment. I'm not making them, be, them have illegitimate children. Uh, I hope uh, that's clear. Oh, I, I think... Oh, you, don't, you don't have to do that. You simply subsidize it. We as human beings don't have a responsibility, but I hope we have a compassion and an interest in the bottom 20%. And I only want to say to you that the capitalist system, the private enterprise system in the 19th century did a far better job of expressing that sense of compassion than the governmental welfare programs are today. The 19th century, the period which people denigrate, 
as a high tide of capitalism, had the, was a period of the greatest outpouring of eleemosynary and charitable activity that the world has ever known. And one of the things I hold against the welfare system most seriously is that it has destroyed private charitable arrangements which are far more effective, far more compassionate, far more person-to-person -person in helping people who are really, for no fault of their own, in disadvantaged situations. Finally raise the question, though, whether in any modern industrial democracy like this one, it's conceivable the system could be run without a fairly elaborate welfare underpinning of some kind. What do you feel, Ms. Bowman? I, I don't think uh, it can be, because I think essentially the welfare set of welfare programs reflect uh, the values of this society. That if it didn't, there would have been revolt long before now. Yes, there are rumblings about its cost, and I think that's primarily a function of rapid rates of inflation eroding real income earning power of the middle class taxpayer. Uh, but I think on one level we wanted to give up the responsibility of caring, the responsibility of day-to-day -day actual caring. And in a technical modern industrial society like we have, the tax system and the government system is probably as a, is, is a viable alternative. I don't think we're going to get out of it. I don't think you're going to see private charities who can take my money that I am free to give or not give and essentially make a difference in people's lives of any substance on any level. I don't think that it has anything to do with, the, with society being modern, technological, or industrial. It has to do with an ideology, and particularly an ideology that is very strong among academic intellectuals and in the media. And I think that as time goes on and more and more intelligent ideas replace the kinds of vague visions that dominate today, that the political climate will change, and that's the only thing that stands in the way of reform right now. So I think one has to separate out a conceptual framework of a system.